What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Passing Downs Podcast. I'm your host, Rahul, and I'm here with my co-host, PD. PD, say what's up. What's up? All right, and we're back with another series from last year that we've been doing. This is kind of the first thing we started with, and I think this is kind of a staple of the podcast at this point with our preview episodes, obviously with week one coming around, starting tomorrow, to be exact. So very excited for that. Uh, but before we get into that, just a quick thing. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at PD34 underscore and at RealRahulPotty2. Uh, we'd appreciate that a lot, as well as if you're enjoying the pod, if you guys have liked the QB series, and we're going to continue to do these previews and reviews of each week throughout the season. If you guys are excited for that, please like, follow, subscribe, do what you got to do on the platform you're using to help support if you guys have been enjoying it. Uh, and with that being said, I say we jump right into the Thursday night matchup to start the year because we have a lot of games to go through. Yeah, so let's get right into it. I'm going to be previewing the road games for most of these. Um, and for the Lions against the Chiefs, um, the Lions charting out Jared Goff. Um, and for this one, we know that Jameson Williams is suspended, so that's going to take a little bit of the deep threat element that this Lions offense really loved with James Williams on the field. Um, even though he wasn't really producing much, um, it was a little bit of a scare for the safeties. And without that, there's going to be an extra focus on Amon Ross A. Brown um, with the addition of Jameer Gibbs in the offseason, plus a strong offensive line and the Chiefs missing Chris Jones in this one. Um, I could see the run game for the Lions excelling. Um, and with that, if they start committing more defenders in the box, um, some shots down the field and play action type stuff is very, very potent in this one. Um, and then also I could see Amon Ross St. Brown taking advantage of um, some of the weaker linebackers in the Chiefs depth chart. Um, so, yeah, I, I would expect the Lions offense to roll, honestly. The presence of Chris Jones would make a huge difference in this game if he was there, but he's not going to be there. So um, advantage Lions offense over this Chiefs defense in this one. And much like that Lions offense, I think this Chiefs offense will absolutely roll as well. Uh, I think people are expecting this game to be a high-scoring matchup between two teams who scored a lot of points last year. Uh, we didn't really see, we don't normally see that happen in the first game of the season. Obviously, with rust and coming back to a new season being involved, but. With these two offenses, it might just be a shootout right off the bat. And I think similar to that Jamison Williams suspension, one of the biggest things we're going to miss with this Chiefs offense is Travis Kelsey. Obviously, we just talked about in like the Chiefs podcast, uh, QB Room episode, uh, Kelsey is going to be missing at least the first week, po possibly two. Uh, we're going to see as things roll. And obviously, Travis Kelsey is a massive, massive part of that Chiefs offense, particularly against the wary Weak Lions defense in terms of uh, linebacker core. I think Travis Kelsey was absolutely about to eat in the middle of the field. So I think that's going to change a big part of this Chiefs offense. I think we see them run the ball a lot more than we normally see out of the Chiefs. Uh, the interior of this Lions offensive line is pretty weak, to be honest. And when you have a guy like Creed Humphrey to run behind, I think the middle run, run game is going to be really impactful for this team. As well, I don't think the Lions have a whole lot of speed in that secondary. And one thing the Chiefs receiver core has a lot of is speed. Uh, I think we're going to expect a lot of stuff going across the field. Uh, maybe even deep shots later in the year when uh, or later in the game when Mahomes is kind of starting to get in his groove. Uh, I expect Mahomes to be very accurate in this one. And 
uh, kind of just slice and dice this Lions defense who really doesn't have that much talent overall. They do have a guy in Aiden Hutchinson who should probably make a leap here, maybe give uh, Patrick Mahomes trouble in the pocket. But other than that, I think this is just a high-scoring game in the Chiefs' role. All right, let's move on to this AFC North matchup with the Bengals and the Browns. And I'm going to be starting off with Joe Burrow. Um, Burrow obviously coming off an offseason calf injury for the second straight year he's going into the season, or for the third straight year he's going into the season coming off some ailment. Um, and I don't have the highest of expectations, actually, um, despite the fact that I love this Bengals team and think they should be a strong Super Bowl contender. Um, I just think that the additions that the Browns have made in the offseason are pretty helpful for the weaknesses that they had last year. Um, their pass rush and run defense have been very much juiced. Um, and I think it probably can't get any worse than it did last year for Denzel Ward in coverage. Um, plus the emergence of guys like Martin Emerson and continued growth of Juan Thornhill and Greg Newsom and Grant Delpit and guys like that. Um, I think this Browns defense could be a little bit of a tricky matchup to navigate, especially with Joe Burrow probably not going to be playing at 100%. Um, so yeah, I would probably expect... Um, less than full strength from this Bengals offense. But of course, with playmakers like Jamar Chase, um, there's very high variance involved. So he could just have a monster game and just blow these expectations out of the water. Yeah, I think this game could be something that people may look at as an upset watch because we've kind of seen how Joe Burrow has come into the season. But not only that, I think this the additions to this Browns offense may make things a little difficult for this Bengals defense this Sunday. Uh, I think one thing that went kind of under the radar with this Bengals defense is I feel like their, their secondary is the worst they've had kind of in this Burrow era. And what we've been hearing about in training camp from the Browns, from Deshaun Watson, is he is an improved quarterback, and he is kind of back to or closer to where he was when we saw him in his peak a couple of years ago. And I think with the additions they've made and kind of just having a better uh, connection with Amari Cooper, you got the addition of Elijah Moore. I do see them really attacking that Bengals secondary, and I think they're going to have a strong game kind of passing the ball around. I don't necessarily think Deshaun Watson comes out super hot. I expect him to make a couple of mistakes, probably throw the ball, uh, turn the ball over a couple of times, uh, maybe even early on. But as he kind of gets into the groove of things, I could see a much better Browns receiving core kind of expose this Bengals secondary. And when you look at the front seven, I think the Bengals still have a strong front seven. But I do expect the Browns to try to establish the run early and throughout the game, especially with Nick Chubb kind of Primed to have a big year. This Browns offensive line obviously contending for one of the best. I think they try to establish the run and have Watson work off that. But with the Bengals front seven being pretty good, I expect maybe a middle-level day from Chubb and maybe Watson picks it up later on in the year, uh, later on in the game. And this could be one of those mid-scoring games where the Browns could maybe even take it if the Bengals come out slow. All right, moving on to another AFC matchup with the Texans and the Ravens, and I have, like, no expectations for the Texans' offense. Texans dealing with a bunch of offensive line injuries already, uh, and despite the fact that the pass rush of the Ravens is nothing too impressive, um, I think that it's going to be bothersome in the run game. I think Damian Pierce is going to get not much going with Roquan and Patrick Queen, um, really devouring up that run game. Um, and it's going to be a lot of load on C.J. Stroud. And even with the Marlon Humphrey injury, um, I still think that the Ravens have enough pieces in the secondary to really bother the 
Texans receivers who are not too strong to begin with, as we mentioned in the CJ Stroud um, QB room episode. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I have little to no expectations for with this Texans offense pretty much. And on the complete flip side, I think most people, including me, have very high expectations for this Baltimore offense, not only on the season, but also at home here against a not really talented Texans defense. I mean, they obviously have big talents and guys like Will Anderson, Derek Stingley, et cetera. They've made a lot of additions to the secondary with uh, Jimmy Ward uh, and bringing in other guys throughout the defense. But I still think this... Ravens offense is simply going to overpower here. Uh, I know the Ravens kind of want to go into a more spread offense, but I think they kind of go back to their basics and roots in this one because I think they have a pretty strong advantage in the uh, grid uh, in the offensive line defensive line matchup. I think the Ravens offensive line, especially in the run game this year, is very strong, and I don't see much run stoppage here. I see Lamar and J.K. Dobbins having a big game on the ground in this one. Uh, but obviously, they do kind of want to somewhat establish this uh, spread passing offense. They kind of want to bring to this Ravens offense this year. So I do maybe expect them down the line to test that. But with guys like Stingley covering uh, not too uh, praised wide receiver core from the Ravens just yet not too experienced either uh I could see them struggle a little bit and this being more of a ground and pound game for them where they do do a lot of damage on the ground and kind of steamroll this Texans team all right so let's move on to our next matchup in the NFC this time with the Bucks and the Vikings um and I'm pretty intrigued by the Bucks offense in this one actually um the Vikings defense now with Brian Flores is going to be pretty blitz happy, I would imagine. Um, and so it's going to be interesting what kind of counters that they have um, for that type of defense in the preseason. They've been trying to get the ball out of Baker's hands really quickly, throwing screens and rollouts and stuff like that. So that would be an interesting counter. Um, and just generally with the Vikings talent level on defense, they have a bunch of young and new additions um, on the defense in general. Um, so the range of outcomes here is pretty wide, but I would say Mike Evans and Chris Godwin should probably feast against that secondary, just looking at it from a standpoint of how they played last year. Um, yeah, so I, I sneakily expect big things from the Bucks' offense in this in this matchup. And on the favorite here on the Vikings side, I think obviously this Buccaneers defense is nowhere on the level. They were a couple of years when they were Super Bowl champs or even the past couple of years when they were playoff level teams. I think their defense has dropped a little bit, but I still think they have a lot of strong pieces that could make them an average level defense this year. And in some ways, I can see them bring uh, giving this Vikings team a problem. I think the biggest thing for me here is the run game. I'm not too fond of this Vikings offensive line, especially early on in the year. Uh, I think they'll need some time. And you got big run stuffers and guys like Vito Avea, Levante David, even guys like Devin White, Shaq Barrett might get in there. And I don't think the Vikings have a very strong game on the ground. I think Madison maybe has a weaker day, uh, but I really don't think anybody on this Buccaneers defense would, can, can keep up with the likes of Jefferson, uh, newly added Jordan Addison. I even think TJ Hawkinson here has a big day. Uh, I just think the Vikings spread it out and let it rip all day. Uh, I think Kirk has a big game. I think they get a lot of yards on this Buccaneers defense. Uh, we see more of a passing day. I would I would expect a higher scoring game out of this uh, 
Vikings uh, team right here. Uh, I could see maybe if the Buccaneers get to, uh, their pass rush together a little bit better, better maybe somehow bother Kirk Cousins that things could go better. But in general, I expect a big passing day out of this Vikings team. Big numbers for guys like Jefferson, Addison, Hawkinson, etc. All right, moving on to the next one. This one, another NFC matchup, an NFC South matchup uh, with the Panthers against the Falcons. And looking at the Panthers, they've been dealing with a number of injuries in this receiving core with DJ Chark, even Adam Thielen uh, having some issues in the preseason. Um, and so I'm a little bit worried um, for this offense's success. But um, going into the first week, um, the Falcons adding a few uh, pieces in the offseason along the defensive line and in the secondary, you can hope that um, with the addition of Jesse Bates and hopefully some better health for AJ Terrell, as well as Calais Campbell, that the Falcons defense will be a little bit better. Um, And so, yeah, I I could see this one being a little bit of a sluggish game, especially because of course it's a rookie quarterback starting in his first game, his first game. So um, yeah, it it could be a little bit ugly at points, but um, I probably trust Bryce Young's talent to overcome at some point. Um, It could be a little bit of an up and down game though. Yeah, not only do you have a rookie quarterback playing his first game on your side, but we also have a very inexperienced second-year guy in Desmond Ritter playing his first real uh, year season as like the man of this offense, QB1 here. And this Panthers defense, I'm not sure how much hype they're getting overall, but they are scary good. They were pretty good last year, especially uh, in terms of secondary, and I expect them to keep a lot of the same success going in because they're able to retain a lot of their pieces here. Uh, I think the biggest thing, obviously, with this Falcons offense is kind of the implementation of B. John Robinson. We've seen so much in camp about him being huge in the run game, him getting a lot of the passing usage. But to be fair, we really don't know what they're going to do with guys like Robinson, even Algier out the backfield. So it'll be really interesting to see that. We know Arthur Smith is going to have a run-heavy offense here. We've seen that even from the way they've built this offensive line. So I do think that the Falcons try to run the ball early and a lot in this game. I think that's kind of going to be their identity this year is run first and then pass out of that uh I do think they struggle a little bit early on because this Panthers defense does have a pretty pretty good run stuffers and guys like Derek Brown Brian Burns Shaq Thompson etc but I do think the Falcons figure it out later uh where I'm not so sure is I think Desmond Ritter may have a rough day I think this Panther secondary is talented enough to give trouble to the likes of Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and I don't really see too many other weapons and not a whole lot of depth on this Falcons receiving team either. A lot of injuries to their depth over there. So I think Desmond Reader and this passing offense struggles. Uh, the run game gets gets it going as the game goes along. And another uh, low-scoring side from the Falcons here. And when you combine a likely low-scoring game from the Panthers, we probably expect a close low scoring game here all right moving on to the next one with another nfc matchup with the cardinals and the commanders i don't really want to talk about the cardinals um they're clearly not trying to win uh, they're putting well first of all like josh dobbs uh, honestly doesn't really have starter upside i know that, that that might come across as a little bit mean but like for him to be a starting level quarterback at this point in his career would be a minor miracle and they're also not putting him in a good situation with a bunch of young talent along the offensive line and Hollywood Brown is like his only real weapon with any sort of pedigree. 
Um, so, yeah, if you want a take on this one, Vikings or Commanders defense uh, steamrolls the offense. But, uh, yeah, I don't imagine we'll be talking about the Cardinals much this season. Yeah, and I expect the same on the flip side. I think the Cardinals' defense has a very, very high chance of being the worst defense in the league by far. I think aside from Buda Baker, you really don't have a single playmaker on this uh, defense or really a proven playmaker in general. Uh, I think they get steamrolled by every team they face, and I don't think the Commanders are an exception. I think Sam Howell, he looked good to end last year. You can clearly see he's got something to him, and I'm not sure how he'll perform versus the better defenses, but I saw from last year that he's good enough to cook this Cardinals defense, whatever they have here. I expect a big day out of him and even his receivers in McLaurin, Dotson, Samuel. I'm excited to see how they're using all their pieces because the commanders are proclaiming that they're going to have a very creative offense using Antonio Gibson in cool ways, using Curtis Samuel in cool ways. Uh, using Brian Robinson and all these pieces they have. I see them really explore that bag against a defense who really doesn't pose a threat. And this Washington offensive line's pretty good as well. I see them kind of bullying this Cardinals defensive line. Uh, I just think they do what they want and get a pretty easy win here. All right, let's move on to the next one with an AFC South matchup with the Colts against the Jaguars. Um, and then I'm going to be talking about the Jaguars in this one. Um, Trevor Lawrence going into his third year in this one. Um, and th- the Colts front seven actually does have some talent with guys who have potential. Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner, um, Quiddy Pay, Samson, Ebukam, and Shaq Leonard. All these guys have shown um, flashes or actual good play in the past. So there's potential here for um, some solid stuff in terms of maybe rushing pas- passer and stopping the run, but they just have no talent. Um, to match up with the Jaguars receivers on the back end with like with the likes of Dallas Flowers and Daryl Baker Jr. Um, with Julian Blackman and Rodney Thomas trying to cover for for those two behind them. I don't think it's enough, even those, though those two safeties are better players in the corners. Um, I really do not think it's enough. And I think that um, Calvin Ridley is going to get absolutely peppered with targets in this one. Um, and the passing game of the Jaguars should probably steamroll their way to a massive performance. Yeah, on the flip side, I'm very, very much confused on how this uh, Colts offense is going to operate early on because I just feel like there's just so many like moving pieces here that we can expect like many, many things like with Anthony Richardson, like, are we going to see them come out, maybe use him in a more of a rushing role because he's this guy with a lot of athleticism and talent, but maybe not the polished passing game or are they going to try to just, you know, almost throw the season away to allow Anthony Richardson to develop this passing game and do whatever he wants. You also have the question mark now with Jonathan Taylor being out. I think obviously if he was playing, and I guess they've been preparing for him not being there for a while, but with him out, he's obviously the biggest key part of their offense. So it's going to be very interesting to see how they utilize this run game with very much unproven guys like, Zach Moss or Deion Jackson, etc. And I don't really know how like the receivers of this Colts team who aside from Michael Pittman are also very much unproven are going to perform. But when we talk about the matchup versus this Jaguars defense and you know a guy like Shane Steichen, his type of offense is a lot more 
east-west running, a lot more spread offense, let it rip with a guy like Anthony Richardson. I see them going a lot more into that because this Jaguars defense, I think they've got a very strong potential to have a good front seven, but I really don't see that much talent in the backside of their defense. Uh with a, a quarterback like Anthony Richardson who could let it rip, a couple of deep threats, particularly in Michael Pittman, and with the really deflated running back room at the time, I think they test their luck on trying to go deep and go for explosive plays, let Anthony Richardson do his thing. And I also think to make up for their lack of run game, they run Anthony Richardson a lot. I mean, with his level of athleticism, that's what opened things up the most and makes him super, super impactful, especially as a rookie when he's super fresh right now. I think they run him a lot. I think they have him throw deep a lot. Uh, we see a lot of mistakes out of him, probably a bunch of sacks, maybe even a fumble here and there. Uh, but we also get a couple of deep throws, probably some highlight runs. Uh, not a very successful offense overall here. I think the Colts get steamrolled, but we may see a couple of cool things happen as a result of it. All right, moving on to the next one with the 49ers and the Steelers. And Potty is going to be talking about the 49ers first. Yeah, obviously, as the resident 49ers uh fan of the pod I'm gonna have to take this one here and I think there's a lot of question marks coming into the season for the Niners people were obviously had all their eyes on the Niners QB room uh I think obviously I've backed Trey Lance throughout this time as a pod but kind of seeing what he's been in preseason and seeing Sam Darnold beat him out it kind of proved to me that Brock Purdy is the way to go and I love the fact that they traded him and fully have uh, backed Brock Purdy in a way and I think that kind of goes to show that he is going to be ready at this point and when we look at a Steelers defense who obviously is coming in very very good they've got lethal guys like TJ Watt there that we're gonna have to be very very worried about but I still think the Niners play their game. I mean, we know what Kyle Shanahan brings with this offense for years. Uh, we know that from last year that guys like Christian McCaffrey and even Elijah Mitchell in the run game are going to be huge. We're going to go to that a lot. And even against a strong run defense in this uh, Steelers defense, I think we're less worried about that than the potential pass rush threat we can get from guys like TJ Watt and Cam Hayward. Uh, and honestly, a weaker offensive line than we've had in a couple of years. But I think we are able to run up and down. And once the run game kind of gets going, as we always see with this Niners offense, they start to pull it out, go to the play action, and cook there. You start seeing uh, Kyle Shanahan scheme guys wide open. I think Brock Purdy comes in and has a good game against these like solid defenses that can be exploited, though. We've seen what Brock Purdy could do to those teams last year. Uh, I think George Kittle poses a huge matchup problem here. I don't really see, other than maybe Minka Fitzpatrick, who could guard him on the Steelers' defense. But if you do take away Minka with George Kittle, that opens up a lot more. Uh, I think guys like Ayuk is going to have a huge game here because he's great at separating. And when you have more longer but older and slower corners on the Steelers' secondary, I think Ayuk could do well, and Purdy and him do seem to have a connection. So I think this offense, once again, has a pretty high-scoring performance. I think they steamrolled them in the run game and have a solid passing game to, you know, one of those pretty high-scoring Niners performances we saw towards that stretch last year. 
All right, so I'll be talking about Kenny Pickett on the other side with this one, and I am really excited to see Kenny Pickett um, for, for the season overall. He looks like he could be pretty clearly a top-half starter if the preseason is any indication, and it's mostly coming from his ability or his newfound ability and this offense's newfound ability to push the ball deep, um, and it's looked really, really good in the preseason, and I'm wondering um, with the Niners' Secondary, just kind of having Charvarius Ward as the only consistent guy in coverage, in my opinion, um, with Tal Nohufunga having ability to be tricked, I guess, in coverage, and Diamador Lenore being a bad player last year who I, I guess is on the come up, but in coverage, he hasn't shown much yet, um, and Tashawn Gibson as well. So uh, I think there's potential here for some explosives from the Steelers' offense. Now, of course, um, we have to mention the, the Niners' defensive line is really, really strong, and I think the Steelers' run game will be um, next to non-existent, uh, but I am excited if the Steelers offense is actually doing something that I would never have expected them to do, which is actually take the game or take the passing attack vertical. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, there's some significant potential here with Kenny Pickett this year, and it would start in week one with a secondary that's kind of weak on paper, in my opinion. All right. Maybe it's starting week two because the Niners are shutting that down. We'll show, right. And they'll show you Sunday. <laughs> All right. Moving on to the next one with a cross-conference matchup between the Titans and the Saints and looking at Ryan Tannehill in this one. Um, and for what is the third straight year now, um, the Titans are not putting um, a strong supporting caster on Ryan Tannehill with very young offensive line with not many proven pieces and um, the receiving core being a little bit lackluster in my opinion, I've talked about on this podcast Hopkins decline and how I don't think he's um, the strongest player anymore. Um, Traylon Burks having an offseason injury, so maybe a potential slow start there. Um, Derrick Henry is obviously a rock, but running backs are all ceiling raisers, so um, it depends on kind of the quality of his offensive line. Um, going up against this Saints defense, I think there's some potential here for the Saints defense with a bunch of young pieces here. Um, not really many proven pieces along the defensive line other than Cam Jordan, um, Demario Davis, a great player in the middle, so he can help a lot. Um, aside from that, like I, I think that um, there's potential here for the Saints to get run on quite a bit, um, and that would open up the play-action game, which um, the Titans don't really have a great field stretcher, as we've complained about for a while, but there's potential there for hitting guys over the middle if they start playing closer to the line of scrimmage, and I know Ryan Tannehill can do that. He's done that for years and years now. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see the Titans offense in this one, but, um, the range of outcomes is probably pretty wide. Uh, for me, the most exciting part of this game is this matchup between this Titans defense and Saints offense. I think most people would expect this Titans defense to be a little bit better, but I do think the Saints offense has a lot of, uh, firepower. We've seen Derek Carr lead very high explosive, high scoring offenses in the past. So I think this is a pretty interesting, even matchup here. Uh, I think the biggest thing for the Titans is obviously coming off a relatively successful defensive year last year. They did a good job of not only retaining pieces uh, in their front seven, but even adding guys like Aziz Al-Shair to make this front seven pretty strong. I think guys like Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Landry, Domenico Autry are great at stuffing the run. And I think with the Saints not having Kamara early on with that suspension, Kendra Miller kind of dealing with injuries, and Jamal Williams maybe not being the best person to put your whole rushing load on. Uh, I could see this 
the Titans defensive line shutting down a Saints run game. And I do think the Saints offensive line is pretty good. I think they'll give uh, a plenty of opportunity to have a good run game, but I don't know if it works against this front seven of the Titans. I think it's weaker here, but I think the biggest place to exploit this Titans defense by far is their cornerbacks. I think they have solid safeties, especially with Kevin Byard kind of roaming the back, but I think these corners are very much exploitable. And when you have Chris Olave, um, potentially a decent Michael Thomas returning and a guy like Derek Carr who really likes to let it rip and even hyper focus on maybe a guy like Chris Olave. I think they have a pretty good passing game. I think this offensive line is very well built to block for a long period of time. And this defensive line uh, from the Titans and front seven in general, I don't see them being a high sack type of defense. So I could see Derek Carr have a pretty big yardage game. I expect a very, very big from uh, game from Chris Olave. But I think overall, it's not a super high-scoring game from the Saints. Something like a mid-scoring game with a lot of yards, maybe. Because I do think this Titans defense shuts down uh, in like a red zone situation against a team that doesn't have as many playmakers in the Saints team. All right, moving on to the next one, an AFC West matchup with, between the Raiders and the Broncos. I'm t- going to be talking about the Raiders. Um, the Raiders made some interesting additions this offseason. Obviously, a quarterback with Jimmy G um, and Jacoby Myers in the receiving core. And I think that um, Broncos' defense is an interesting matchup here as well. Um, I think that no matter who Demario Mathis is covering, it's probably going to be a mismatch. Um, Myers and Adams are obviously very, very skilled route runners, and there could be um, some problems there. So... They continue to uh, push that button um, of attacking Demary Mathis, as against, obviously, Patrick Sertan, one of the best in the game. Um, it's probably going to lead to good results. In terms of the run game and how they, that could affect play action for Jimmy G, I think that the Broncos have an okay run defense unit, um, but it's definitely inexperienced with the likes of Nick Benito and Zach Allen being um, recent additions that there could be some success there as well. So I'm expecting some solid performance from the Raiders offense, but obviously Jimmy G being um, a little bit of an idiot at times, um, he could throw one right to the defense and it could swing things. Yeah, that's very true. And as I talked about earlier with me taking the Niners offense, I think by the fact that PD doesn't want to take the Broncos offense, it should kind of stow the state they're in. And I think particularly right now, they're not in the best state with Jerry Judy being out Tim Patrick being out for the year, which is very, very unfortunate. Uh, I think they're a little bit depleted in the receiver core. They definitely, I don't think, wanted to give Marvin Mims so much of a load this early on. I'm not sure if Cortland Sutton's ready to shoulder the load. And I think the biggest thing for me is the pass rush of this Raiders team. I think with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, they'll really be able to get after uh, this Broncos offensive line. And me personally, as being a Niners fan for a while, I'm not a huge fan of Mike McGlinchey. Uh, I'm not too sure about Garrett Bowles either against this good of pass rushes. I expect Russell Wilson to be under a lot of duress. And when he's under a lot of duress, he doesn't necessarily make the best decisions. 
and that's what we saw a lot last year. It's more of a recent Russell Wilson thing. And I do think having the addition of Sean Payton trying to kind of calming him down, running a much better offense than whatever the disaster was of Nathaniel Hackett last year helps. I think they go a lot to both Javante and Samaje Pirine in this one, uh, especially with Javante kind of coming back. Uh, but mainly because I think this Raiders run defense is going to be absolutely terrible. I mean, having a front uh, uh, D tackle pair of Jerry Tillery and Bilal Nichols is wild to me. And even behind them at the uh, linebackers, it's just a bunch of people you really don't want their stuff in your run. And I think the Broncos have a field day with Javante and Samaj P. Ryan. But uh, as far as passing the ball goes, I expect Russ to make mistakes. I think the Raiders do have a guy in like Marcus Peters who can maybe uh, match up versus Sutton well. Kind of the rest of the receiving core doesn't have a lot of talent now with Judy out. So maybe not the best passing game, but I expect a huge running game today out of the Broncos. All right, moving on to the next one, another cross-conference matchup. And boy, am I excited to talk about this one. This is the matchup of the week for me with the Eagles offense going up against the Patriots defense. Two units that I would think are reasonably strong candidates to be top five on each side of the ball for for those respective units. Um, Man, this Eagles offense is absolutely stacked. They basically have no weaknesses except their third receiver, um, and they barely target their third receiver when he's out there. So um, definitely something to think about there. Um, And the Patriots defense is absolutely loaded with talent. Um, At every single spot, there's guys – who are proven or have the potential to get to really, really good level players. Um, I like everyone on their front seven to be at least good. Um, and then out the back end, guys like Jonathan Jones, Christian Gonzalez, um, Kyle Duggar, and Jabril Peppers. Um, those are guys who are all young and have potential to grow. Um, but that that's probably the crack in this defense where I think they could be exploitable because of their youth and um falling for a few pump fakes here and there from Jalen Hurts and such. Um, So, yeah, I would expect a bunch of explosives from the Eagles offense in this one, but I'm not sure about the consistency um, because of the way that the Patriots defense can really muck up things. So, um, yeah, excited to really excited to see this one. And I think the the deciding factor will be how many of those explosive attempts that they connect on between Hurts and A.J. Brown and Hurts and Devontae Smith and even Dallas Goddard to an extent. Well, to me, this certainly isn't the best matchup of the week. And the reason for that is the flip side we're talking about, because I don't think we're going to get as fun of a matchup with New England's offense going up against this Eagles defense. Uh, Obviously, they're offensive stacked, but this Eagles defense is really, really good too. And not only are they good, they stocked up once again in the draft. And I think they also have a lot of depth and a lot of talent at pretty much every position this year. Uh, And this Patriots offense, to be quite frank, is lacking a lot of talent. Uh, For starters, I think this Eagles secondary absolutely locks up whatever this Patriots uh, team has kind of scrambled together for a receiving core, especially with guys like Juju rumored to be injured. Devontae Parker, who's always injured, is injured once again. Kendrick Bourne isn't really too much of a game winner for you here. Uh, And when you have guys like Darius Slade, James Bradbury, and Avante Maddox on the other side, I think this Patriots uh, receiving core has a very tough time. And not only to mention that, I expect this 
defensive line to really get after Mac Jones, who's more of a stationary guy, very easy to sack. And when you do have guys like Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, even in the interior, Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter, and Jalen Davis getting a lot of interior pressure, I think Mac Jones has a lot of pressure in his face. Uh, maybe makes a mistake or two out of that. And honestly, just has a rough day, especially with the receivers not really getting open. Even in the run game, I'm very, very much worried because I'm huge on guys like Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, obviously being proven as one of the best for a while. And you still have guys like Nicobe Dean who can come in and plug the run. Uh, I think Ramondre Stevenson still has a solid day because I am pretty high on this Patriots offensive line, but it's going to be a really tough running game. I don't expect a lot of big runs, probably more of a ground and pound sort of game. I don't really expect a lot of points out of the Patriots team, and if they do, I think it comes from the run game. Uh, this is kind of a mismatch here. It's unfortunate. All right, moving on to the next one with an NFC West showdown. Um, and with the absence of Cooper Cup, this offense for the Rams looks a lot worse. Um, they have some young developing pieces along the offensive line, so that probably widens the range of outcomes. But in this one, I just don't think that they stand much of a chance. Now, to be fair... Uh, the Seahawks' pass rush is still pretty terrible, um, so it could soften the matchup a little bit uh, for them. But the thing that's really bothering me is the strength of the passing weapons in this game for the Rams is really, really poor. Without Cooper Cup, with Van Jefferson and Tyler Higby spearheading the offense for this one, going up against the likes of Devon Witherspoon, who I expect to hit the ground running, um, and Tariq Woolen, as well as Jamal Adams and Quandre Diggs, who could have uh, strong seasons as they've shown in the past. So. Um, the secondary of the Seahawks is a lot better than this receiving core, um, and I expect it to be a bit of a struggle fest for Stafford in this one. Um, maybe throws multiple picks in this one, trying to force the ball. Um, and yeah, the, I don't expect much from this Rams offense. Yeah, and on the flip side, I don't expect uh, very much out of the Rams either. And I think I've been very vocal about this off the pod, uh, but... And maybe it is a little bit of my Niners bias showing, but I am very, very low on this Rams defense as well. I think obviously with Cup, the Rams offense is in a state, but I think it goes under the radar how much this defense isn't too good. I think by far, other than Aaron Donald, there's a massive drop-off of uh, talent literally across the board for this Rams defense. I think there are a couple of guys who you could maybe say are starter-level players, but overall, I think there's a massive lack of talent. And when you look at the Seahawks team, you have a guy like Geno Smith who's coming off a very good year. You have a lot of talent uh, on the rest of the roster with Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet both being really good running backs, it seems, at this point in time. You have three elite receivers or really good receivers in DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, JSN, uh, and I think the Seahawks offensive line is a little underrated in terms of how good of a run offense they are. And I really think everything works for them. I think they first go to the passing game because I think that's where they possess the biggest <coughs> advantage. I really don't see anybody on this Ram secondary guarding DK Metcalf, let alone Tyler Lockett and JSN too. And when you combine all those guys getting wide open with Geno Smith's accuracy that we saw last year, I say they torch this Rams defense deep. And when they do go to the run game as well, I expect a good game there. Uh, all you really have to do is run away from Aaron Donald. That's really all you have to do with this Rams team right now. And with the Seahawks having two pretty good young tackles, no matter where he lines up, there should be a way to either double him or run away from him. And they should be good off that. 
the one thing I will note, though, is kind of historically, this Rams team with McVay has always seemed to have uh, the Seahawks number. I don't know what it is, but they always find a way to win, even when their team is better, uh, with, the, with that being the Seahawks team. But I think the talent gap here is just too much, and the Seahawks offense rolls. All right, let's move on to the next one with um, a very hyped matchup lot from last season with the Dolphins going into L.A. against the Chargers. Um, and I think this should be an interesting one. Um, the Dolphins have shown signs that they're willing to run the ball more and go to the shorter areas of the field rather than consistently spamming that intermediate to deep middle area of the field. Um, so it should be interesting to see what kind of counters that the Chargers defense has for that. Um, of course, the Chargers defense is still very weak in the run game department as of now, um, barring some unexpected emergencies. Um, and I think that it can only go up here for, for J.C. Jackson in terms of the secondary play. Um, but yeah, it should be interesting to see how um, Mike McDaniel uses um, the aggressive mindset of most of this uh, core of the Chargers against them. Um, I could see some misdirection type plays or... Um, routes that the secondary doesn't really expect leading to explosives in this one. Um, it's, I feel like it's unlikely that we see something like we did last year where they just can't complete any passes because I think they've just done too much in the offseason personnel wise um, and shown too much play differentiation in the preseason um, for that to happen again. But um, I could be wrong. And maybe this chargers defense just steamrolls the dolphins offense again. Yeah, and on the flip side, or before I even get into that, for me, this is probably the most hyped uh, game of the week. Uh, I think by far, after all the hype we saw last year, uh, as a Herbert fan, seeing how that game ended up, uh, I'm very, very excited to see a repeat. Uh, but this time, I expect a lot more out of that Miami offense than what we saw out of a weird game from Tua uh last year but going into Justin Herbert and this Chargers offense I also think they have a pretty good day here and I think the biggest reason for me is the run game here surprisingly enough I think Austin Eckler even though he's not the best rusher in the world in terms of the elite running backs I think the biggest problem with this Dolphins defense by far is going to be their ability to stop the run I think they have a fantastic pass rush with obviously Bradley Chubb Jalen Phillips getting after the quarterback I think those guys are going to give Justin Herbert a trouble I think this could be a rare high sack game from Justin Herbert as a result of that uh, I also think the secondary is pretty good. When you have guys like Xavier Howard, Javon Howland back there, I do think they're going to do a good job. So for me, the biggest problem for the Dolphins all year is going to be run defense. And I think the Chargers definitely exploit that with what we're expecting to be an improved uh, Chargers offensive line, uh, adding Zion Johnson and them kind of just getting healthier in general. I expect Austin Eckler to have a big, big game out of that. Uh, I do expect like probably whoever's getting guarded by Xavier Howard out of Keenan Allen, Mike Williams to get a little locked up. But outside of that, I could see the other receivers like Quentin Johnston, uh, Josh Palmer kind of getting active because I don't really think there's a whole lot of depth with this uh, Dolphin secondary. And I do think Justin Herbert's going to have his work cut out for him. He's going to be under pressure all day, uh, may not get a lot of separation out of his receivers. But we saw this last year with the Dolphins, and 
as a Justin Herbert fan, I can say he cooked that Dolphins defense. And I expect nothing less than this one, especially with the pass-heavy, let Justin Herbert let, uh, uh, rip kind of offense that we're expecting to see this year. Uh, I think he rolls uh, probably not as hard as a lot of these other games we've seen against bad defenses, but I do expect a high-scoring game led by Herbert and Eckler. All right, moving on to the next one with the Packers against the Bears. This is uh, one of my more anticipated matchups of the week just because of how these fan bases talk shit on Twitter. But um, I am really excited to see Jordan Love play. Um, Obviously, we both know, me and Potty, that I've been a really big proponent of Jordan Love. Um, Not off to a great start right now because of the injuries to both Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs in practice. Um, Both of them did not practice today. So we'll monitor the situation as the game gets closer. But um, if those two are injured, their offense probably doesn't really function. Um, but if they are playing and they're somewhat healthy, I think there's chance for some explosives in this one. Um, the secondary of the Bears is still pretty young, um, and they I, I think they really do have potential. But um, I think that Jordan Love could complete some explosives down the field to a guy like Christian Watson, and then Romeo Dobbs can also test the secondary deep as well. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very, very intrigued by this matchup. I'm not entirely sure what to expect with the health and the youth on both sides um, for the, both the Packers offense and the Bears defense. But um, yeah, it should be a really, really fun matchup that I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, uh, I actually am also looking forward to this game a lot, especially because of kind of the reasons you mentioned. I mean, a Bears-Packers game, obviously being one of the biggest rivalries in the whole NFL, I think is always going to be a big game and a big deal. And like you, you're saying, both these organizations are kind of at a similar point now with young quarterbacks, a lot of young talent trying to build in general and they're obviously rivals so I think this is a big game and I think what makes it even more interesting is this side of the matchup which to me is the more exciting matchup because I think the Bears offense will be better and I think this Packers defense will be damn good too and I'm not really sure who gives because I think the Packers are really good at stopping what the Bears so should be good at this year, but at the same time, the Bears may just be too good here. So it's kind of a battle of opposites here. Uh, for starters, I think the Bears do have a pretty good run game this year. They've kind of invested in that with the offensive line going more of a run-blocking type of team. You have Justin Fields, obviously, who was running all over the place last year. They're probably going to trust him this year again to break the corner, rush down the sideline, do all the things he was doing. And I think they really unleashed Khalil Herbert, who's been showing for a long time that he's really good and even was really good in the absence of David Montgomery last year. But at the same time, this Packers defense has a huge run stuffer in Kenny Clark, guys like Preston Smith, Kay Walker, who and Rashawn uh, Gary, who I think can come in from the sides and do a great job at stopping the run. So I really am uh, not sure where which side wins here, but if I had to guess, I think the Bears have a little bit more of a rough rushing day, and the Packers are able to limit them. And in terms of the passing game, we know Justin Fields, obviously not the most accurate passer, really relying on his run game to make that pass game work. Uh, hopefully we see a jump this year, but if we're expecting more of the same from last year, uh, I think it p- probably is a rough game passing as well. I think Jair Alexander this year being healthy, I think he has another one of those seasons where he's one of the better corners in the league. I think he does a very good job on new addition DJ Moore here, and 
really kind of takes him out of the game. I even think the other guys like Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, even though there's a lot of expectations on this receiving core, I think they don't get much separation and Justin Fields struggles a little bit. I also think a lot of those guys I mentioned with like Preston Smith, Kay Walker, et cetera, Rashawn Gary are really good at getting off uh, after the quarterback. And like I said, I think this Bears offensive line may be good at rushing, but I'm really worried about them protecting the quarterback. And I think Justin Fields has to make a lot happen uh, with uh, a lot of pass rushers in his face. Probably he's forced to play make a little more. Uh, I do like this Bears, uh, this Packers defense to maybe limit the Bears offense and the Bears having to change things moving forward. Uh, but I could see it go either way because, like I said, this is a very tough matchup. All right, moving on to the Sunday night football matchup um, with the Cowboys against the Giants. And looking at this Cowboys offense against the Giants defense, um, the big question here is how are you going to cover CeeDee Lamb? Because CeeDee Lamb's alignment from the slot majority of the time is going to pose a pretty significant problem, um, especially with the addition of Brandon Cooks on the outside. Um, I think he's a tricky matchup combined with CeeDee Lamb. And then the help of Michael Gallup, we'll see if he's um, healthy again this year. But if he's healthy and back to the solid, very strong starter player that he was a couple years ago, man, this Cowboys receiving core could be really, really something. Um, and we know how Dak, his combination of aggression, accuracy, and strong timing can really, really be amplified with a strong supporting cast. Um, and so I just think that um, even with the fact that the Giants have a number of good players on defense, it might be a, a struggle fest for them. Um, because of how strong this receiving core and how well the, syn- the synergy is for the Cowboys. Um, yeah, I, I expect big things from the Cowboys offense in this week one performance. Uh, yeah, and when we look at the flip side with this Giants offense, uh, I'll be real. Against this Cowboys defense, I'm not expecting a whole lot. And I think this Giants offense obviously did show a lot last year. Uh, they improved massively, especially guys like Daniel Jones. I think the offensive line also massively overperformed. But I think this is kind of just a matchup made in hell for this Giants team because this Cowboys defense is really, really good. I think first and foremost, one thing I'm very worried about, aside from maybe Andrew Thomas, is kind of this entire Giants offensive line uh, dealing with... uh, so uh, pass rushes in general, I think maybe if you put a Michael Parsons uh, or Andrew Thomas blocking Michael Parsons, he could maybe handle that a bit. But even guys like Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Jonathan Hankins, I expect them to be very active and have big games. Uh, I think Daniel Jones is going to be pre- under pressure a lot. And for me, Daniel Jones is just not the kind of quarterback I want uh, when you're under pressure. And to top that off, I think this – but receiving core, and even if you include Darren Waller in there, who's obviously been a huge addition for them, I think they get locked up pretty badly too. I mean, this secondary is pretty good for the Cowboys when you have Stephon Gilmore, Trayvon Diggs. I think they absolutely lock up this uh, receiving core that features guys like Isaiah Hodgins, Darius Slayton. Not really a whole lot of talent, and then when you combine that with the Cowboys' safety is probably doing a decent job versus Waller, who may not be as fast as we expect him to be. 
Uh, I do think this passing game has a very, very rough day. Uh, I think the only thing that could maybe save them here, and he's done it a lot in previous seasons, is Saquon Barkley, to be quite honest. Uh, I could see Saquon having a good game. Like I said, this Giants offensive line is well built for the rushing attack, but the only thing holding that back is this Cowboys defense is also good against the run. Uh, that Those defensive line guys who I was talking to you about, especially like Jonathan Hankins, are incredible at stuff in the run. Even Micah Parsons is a lead at it. Uh, Leighton Vander Esch and guys like that in their uh, linebacking core are pretty good at stuffing the run. So I'm honestly not sure if the Giants can do that either, but uh, I definitely don't think they're passing the ball well. Their only hope is Saquon Barkley, but overall – not too hot of a game for the Giants, I feel like, to start the year. All right, let's move on to our last matchup of the week um, with the Bills and the Jets. Um, on September 11th, I expect the Bills to be launching a bunch of explosives against the Jets. Um, going downfield to the likes of Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs from Josh Allen, I think that's very much a possibility. Now, of course, Sauce Gardner um, and the zone coverage are probably disruptive, but I think that... Um, Josh Allen's aggressiveness and arm talent continually win down the field. Um, there's no play or there's no game within a season where I don't expl- expect multiple explosives from Josh Allen um, generating it on the run or in the pocket or whatever you, whatever the case may be. Now, of course, um, he has a little bit of trouble with the Jets because of um, the way that they speed up his decisions with their defensive line strength um, and their coverage being a little bit sticky. But um should be interesting to see if he can cut down on those turnover-worthy play-type plays. Um, but regardless, I expect him to be aggressively pushing the ball down the field as much as possible. Man, I am really, really excited for this game. Uh, this may not hold the same amount of rivalry weight as some of your other divisional matchups, being the Bills and Jets not really having much history, but these are two teams that are going to compete in the AFC, compete in their own division, and are supposed to be really really good this year and I'm especially excited to see the offense I'm talking about this Jets offense obviously with the addition of Aaron Rodgers mainly but even other guys like Dalvin Cook, Alan Azard, Michael Hardman, uh, Tyler Conklin you really have a lot of pieces coming in and they've looked good in preseason but it's I'm really interested to see how they're gonna put this together uh, with all these moving pieces in this game and I think the biggest thing they're gonna want to do is establish that Aaron Rodgers Garrett Wilson connection Uh, we've seen with Devontae Adams with prime Rodgers just a couple of years ago how much Rodgers likes to go to one specific guy and I think a lot of people including me think Garrett Wilson can very much fill that role and play to a similar fashion so I'm very excited to see that Uh, I think they may struggle a little bit to do as much as they may expect against this Bill secondary which I think is really really good this year Uh, Trey White uh, Jordan Poyer Micah Hyde I think are all very good And I do think they maybe give a little bit of trouble to the other Jets receivers who aren't as talented, uh, especially with Lazard and Miko, both kind of dealing with injuries coming into this game. Uh, But I don't think they really hold Garrett Wilson and Rodgers, and I think that's where they get a lot of their kind of meat and potatoes of their passing offense. Uh, I'm also a little bit curious to see how this Jets offensive line, which also uh, has a lot of question marks, to be quite honest, 
how they're going to deal with a decent pass rush in this Bills front uh, front uh, line with guys like Greg Rousseau, Ed Oliver, Leonard Floyd, guys who re- can really get off uh, after the quarterback, even A.J. Espinessa off the bench. Uh, I think they're going to have a tough uh, – Aaron Rodgers is going to have a tough day. He's going to have to use that uh, quick release that we know and love from him to get rid of the ball to his receivers. But uh, I still do think he has a good day with Garrett Wilson – uh, where I really doubt the Jets, not only in this game, but kind of throughout the year is this rush offense. Uh, I think last year their running offense was really good, and I think people kind of just expect it to stay the same. But what's really bothering me is this Brees Hall injury kind of coming in. It seemed to linger and even affect him coming into this year. I personally think Dalvin Cook's a little bit washed, and I'm not really sure how they get that one-two dynamic going, especially bringing in Aaron Rodgers. And to be quite frank, they probably are going to want to throw it a lot. Aaron Rodgers is probably going to want to throw it a lot. That's just how he likes to play football. I think this is a lot more Rodgers offense than what we're seeing with from Nathaniel Hackett, especially after last year. I don't think they really trust him at all to lead this offense more than they do Rodgers. Uh, I think he was brought in to really be, you know, the yes man for Aaron Rodgers. So I don't expect a super high-scoring game out of this Jets team. I think the Bills defense does give them a lot of trouble. But much like we see out of Aaron Rodgers throughout his career with Green Bay, he comes in, especially week one, kind of starts off weak. Sometimes the whole game is weak. I think he maybe gets things going uh, in the second half. But overall, I think this Jets team uh, doesn't have the best first day. Uh, with all these moving pieces and a tough team. I think people get into a lot of panic about this Jets team because that's just what NFL fans do. But I think they'll be fine eventually, just not so much in this game. All right, so let's jump into our final segment here where we're going to rapid-fire five questions on each side that we're looking forward to with quarterback performances from Week 1. So I'll start it off with my first question. How will Joe Burrow look coming off his calf injury in terms of mobility? Um, because I think it could be an important factor against Miles Garrett and a, a very improved Browns pass rush. Uh, yeah, and I didn't get to talk about Burrow, but I do think he starts off a little bit struggling. Uh, we've seen him in previous years kind of not have a training camp, not have a preseason and look very much rusty early going. And I think this Cleveland pass rush, obviously, as we talk about, led by Miles Garrett, they're going to be really good this year. I don't particularly think the Bengals' offensive line is prepared to handle this. But one thing that I've always liked about Burrow is he's really good at staying clean by shuffling around in the pocket, getting rid of the ball. Uh, It is unfortunate how his injuries have piled up, but he has been very good at that for a while. So I think he starts off looking a little timid, maybe even weak, but I think he figures it out as the game goes along. And I guess going on to my question with UPD, kind of a similar sort of theme. Uh, how do you think your guy this year, Kenny Pickett, deals with the pressure coming from an elite 49ers front seven? Yeah, so um, I feel like with Kenny Pickett, one of the issues is that he bails from the pocket a little bit too early. So um, I think that it's not going to be as much of an issue because if he's already bailing from the pocket early, he's just going to be um, more reactive to pressure, kind of in a more floor raiser type of mold. Um, they tend to bail from the pocket early quite a bit. You see this with guys like Russell Wilson or even like Mahomes. Um, but anyway, 
um, a little bit of a tangent there. But I think Pickett dealing with pressure is just his own unique style. Um, it goes how it goes. Um, the thing that was more interesting to me, which I had a question about Kenny Pickett as well later, but um, it's about how they attack coverage down the field. So that's that's something that I was thinking about. All right, so for my next question, will Baker Mayfield show up to play in terms of accuracy? Uh, because I have significant belief in the Bucks receivers winning versus the Vikings younger and poorer DBs. Um, and I think that Chris Godwin and Mike Evans should be winning on the outside pretty consistently. Oh, uh, wow. When I'm looking at Baker Mayfield, I think we've kind of talked about Baker off camera quite a bit. And I'm not necessarily as high on him. But I think in this week particularly, I do think he shows up. I think one thing about Baker Mayfield is in situations like this where he almost feels like an underdog, he's kind of written off, he does come out with a bit of his chip on his shoulder and almost play better than we normally see him. And I think him this year completely healthy and what I'd say was a better situation than what he had going on last year in Carolina. I do think he comes in and has a pretty good game in terms of numbers against this Vikings uh, secondary, who I agree is also very inexperienced. You have guys like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, very proven in the league. I think they get a lot of separation. But one thing I am worried about with Baker is I think the biggest problem with him is him in recent years not really doing too well against pressure. I think this Vikings defense is plays very aggressive in general. I think they have the pass rush to get to him, and I think they force a lot of mistakes and sacks out of him, which derails them. But in terms of accuracy, I do think, think he comes out pretty hot. Uh, and then moving on from Baker to another kind of no, guy in a new system, you could say. Uh, as a Broncos fan, PD, I would really, really like to hear your thoughts on what you think Russell Wilson will look like uh, in Sean Payton's new kind of offense. And do you expect him to kind of carry on from what we saw in the last two games of the year without uh, Nathaniel Hackett, or we see more of the same from last year? Yeah, so I barely want to talk about this, but um, the, pro- the problem with this <laughs> is like Russell Wilson's play this year is so, so heavily tied to his health, um, especially with his hand, right? Um, we saw s- significant issues last year with the ball control and his ability to grip the ball. It led to some uncharacteristic fumbles and a lot of uncharacteristic random wild overthrows. Um, and so I think the scheme is in place there. Um, watching some of the preseason stuff, a ton of these plays I've, I've been charting, there's play action after play action after play action, deep drops. Um, the timing of the offense is not yet there because one – the Broncos receivers, I don't think, are, are very intelligent as a group in general. Um, and the other thing is that they just need time like to, to continue to play together. Um, but yeah, the the way that it looked at the end of last season, um, Russ was still making mistakes, but the explosives were very, very much present, and he looked more like a top-half quarterback. So I think that um, that's very much in the range of outcomes. Um, it just matters how – it just depends on how long it takes um, for the offense to really synergize together. Uh, all right, so my next question was also regarding Kenny Pickett, but um, it was more so related to how will Kenny Pickett um, challenge the 49ers' corners down the field? Um, and it was a little bit related to what you said with the pressure, but will he have the discipline to stand in um, under pressure and take those hits and, and continue to push the ball down the field? Well, I'll get into the pressure in a second because we kind of already talked about it. But when we look at this 
kind of receiving core matching up versus the Niners secondary. Where I see uh, us struggling is kind of what you talked about when you talked about Kenny Pickett, is I believe Charvarius Ward is a good corner. I think he does a good job against Deontay Johnson. But we've seen the connection that Pickens has had with Kenny Pickett and how he's able to kind of get receptions with no separation whatsoever and one thing that Lenore has struggled with a lot last year is getting up and winning those 50-50 balls and when you pair him probably against this contested catch demon in George Pickens I think Pickett is really going to exploit that matchup because I really see him thinking of that as the way to go here and the biggest thing for me is I think Kenny Pickett absolutely is a very gritty quarterback. He does strike me as the kind of guy who will stay in the pocket and take hits, even when it's guys like Nick Bosa and someone who I'm really high on coming into this year, uh, Drake Jackson, even a lot of pressure in the interior with Javon Hargrave and Eric Armstead. Uh, somewhere where I think could disrupt the offense a lot is a lot of interior pressure from Hargrave and Armstead. I think that's where the Steelers' offensive line does have a little bit of issue, and I think one that's the biggest thing that influences Kenny Pickett bailing from the pocket as much as he does. So especially with him being a young guy starting second year, I do think he continues to struggle with that. But I think the pretty blatant mismatches he has outside of the Charvarius Ward matchup in the secondary will make things easier for him, but I think, in general, the pass rush wins out here uh, because I don't think Kenny Pickett is going to be able to outrun all of that. Uh, and moving on, I guess, from all this Kenny Pickett talk to something, I guess, completely in a new direction. Uh, I talked a little bit about how I think the Ravens will look uh, against this Texans sort of team. And my question to you is, in what direction do you think this Ravens offense will go with this week, uh, especially because they've been talking about going more spread with adding Zay Flowers, a healthy Rashad Bateman, Odell, etc. Uh, but this does give, obviously, a prime opportunity to just shove it down their throats running the ball. So what do you think happens there? Um, I think they start off leaning on the run because that's where they have the most significant advantage. There's a carryover scheme-wise. Um, you're not going to immediately shift your your scheme and, and play type overnight. Um, and so I think they're largely going to be a similar offense to what they were last year, at, the, at least at the beginning of the year. Um, and then they'll start to make adjustments going out through the year. So run heavy to start. Um, I could – imagine some more explosives than they would have in the early stages last year because of their personnel. Um, but yeah, I, I fully expect them to um, lean into the middle of the field, the run game like they were in the past. Um, okay. So for my fourth question, it's related to the Eagles. And is there any way that they'll be able to find a source of consistency against the Patriots? Because the Patriots are very much known for taking away um, that your ace, your, your best thing to do. And uh, will the reliance on the explosives in this game doom them if they're not completed? Uh, in my opinion, I absolutely think the Eagles will be able to deal with it pretty well. And for me, the main reason is because we, what we saw out of the Eagles last year, the Eagles were not a one-trick pony. They weren't like a very one-dimensional offense. They could beat you in so many ways, and I think they absolutely still have that versatility. Even when you look at the receivers, you have two hyper-elite guys in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, and to, to think they'd probably this uh, uh, 
Patriots defense are probably going to try to take away A.J. Brown here. But when you still have someone as elite as Devontae Smith on the other side, I think they absolutely could just make this a Devontae Smith game. And I would be very surprised if this Patriots defense is able to limit Jalen Hurts passing as a whole. And I think where they have their biggest advantage and almost goes underrated because of how consistent and good they are with it is their run game. I mean, this Eagles offense to me, once again, is going to be the best in the league. And when you have three capable running backs in DeAndre Swift, Rashad Penny, Kenneth Gainwell, there's just so many different ways they can hit you. They even have the rushing attack with Jalen Hurts. Uh, you have Dallas Goddard, who's huge over the middle. The Eagles just have so many weapons that the typical Patriots scheme of taking away your best player and hoping someone else beat you, I just don't think it works because... The Eagles aren't predictable. They beat you in so many different ways. Uh, I think they'll go to all their guys and be able to kind of beat out what the Patriots have coming for them. Uh, and I guess talking about another quarterback with a lot of expectations, uh, and I kind of talked about this in my analysis of him, but do you think Aaron Rodgers starts off in his typical first week slump kind of way, uh, especially with all these new pieces? Or do you think a motivated Rodgers comes in, uh, puts together all these moving pieces and gets a statement kind of successful day versus a really good Bills so defense? So from what I've seen in the preseason, um, there were some hiccups in terms of synergy with Randall Cobb, and he missed a couple of passes that you could normally see him hit. Um, but one thing that I know for sure, like immediately jumped off the screen when I was watching him play in the preseason is that he is going to be spamming the targets to, to get Wilson as much as possible. It's like to the point where like in the first preseason game, this dude is seeing him one V one and throwing smoke screens to him. Like he's already on that level in terms of um, the connection that he had with Adams later on in his Packers tenure. Mm-hmm. It was, it's just the, the safety blanket that Garrett Wilson poses for him right now. I think it gives him a really high floor in terms of performance immediately. So I think at worst, he's going to be above average in this game. Um, but there's a ceiling for more if some of those explosive plays or shots that he was taking down the field continue to hit. Um, and then for my last question, it's related to the Cowboys. Um, how quickly do you think the Cowboys offense synergizes together? Do they synergize quickly in this game? Um, and if they don't synergize fast, do you think the Cowboys or the Giants pass rush could bother Dak and Cow- the Cowboys a bit? Uh, I guess I kind of see a little bit of both happening because I do expect this Cowboys uh, offense to synergize pretty quickly. I know they have a couple of moving pieces, but I think the main guys they want to go to in this offense are there and they were able to retain kind of the main pieces of their offensive line and guys like Tyron Smith, Zach Martin. I think they have good synergy. And in general, the Cowboys offensive line has kind of always come together very quickly. I think someone like Tony Pollard, who has been in the offense for a while now, I think he knows the system and has been ready for years to kind of jump into a bigger role. So I'm not too worried about that. C.D. Lamb and Dak Prescott obviously have years of connection, and we know this Cowboys offense is going to go to C.D. Lamb a lot here. Uh, and same with Michael Gallup. It's someone who's been there. Uh, the, another only real moving piece here is Brandon Cooks. So I do think they syner- synergize uh, well. I think the kind of talent they have works really well with Dak Prescott, who is very aggressive, quick to go the ball deep. 
<coughs> but really does tr- thrive off the yak yardage you could potentially get from guys like Pollard, Lamb, Gallup, Cooks, etc. But on the flip side, I do think this the Giants defensive line could give them a lot of trouble. We saw last year how much trouble Dak faced when he was under pressure and how many mistakes he made. And I think early on we do see a little bit of a similar Dak coming in. Uh, and that uh, Giants pass rush bothering them. So I guess a little bit both, but if I had to pick one side or the other, I would err more to the Cowboys offense kind of synergizing and looking good faster because I do believe in a lot of the talent brought they've brought in, and I do think they have a lot of still consistency with your main quarterback, main running back, main receiver, main offensive line pieces being someone that's people that have been around for a while and you already have a good foundation there. Uh, And to cap off the segment and the pod, uh, this is a question from my personal favorite game. I think this is going to have a lot of people talking overall. And we saw what happened last year in this matchup of Tua versus Herbert, Dolphins versus Chargers. Uh, Not to gloat too much, but Herbert obviously dominated. Tua didn't really show up in this one what do you think happens this year and how do you think based off what happens in this game the kind of online agenda going forward after the game will be I know that's not something you particularly care about but it is something that's important when looking at how people will think about these quarterbacks moving forward yeah that last part forget me caring about it but predicting it is even harder than getting me to care about it um yeah, fair. In terms of how I think Tua will play, I think that, like I mentioned when I was previewing him, um, the Dolphins have shown too many counters um, in terms of personnel and schematic adjustments for it to go as poorly as it did last time. But I still think that there's a chance that um, Staley keys in continually on Tua's weaknesses. The thing that I think is a crack in the Chargers' armor this time is that there are more potential opportunities for explosive plays. Like, if you remember the Niners game, um, Tua was missing a number of chances for big first downs and stuff like that. Um, And I think some of that applies in this Chargers game as well that they played. So um, I would expect Tua to miss less, even if he has the quality of performance that he did against the Chargers um, from the way he's reading the game or whatever. And so I think that the expectation going into this one should be above average. Um, rather than the stinker that he put up last year. Um, but I do think that it could limit, or th- the way that they play defense um, with the Chargers, kind of all being on a string, could limit his performance a little bit. And I don't know if he's going to play elite. Um, in terms of Herbert on the other side, I think that it should be really interesting to see um, how the Chargers receivers match up with Dolphins corners without Ramsey. Um, I think they have an advantage just going against some of the younger players like Kohu. Um, even though I like Kohu and what he showed last year in a small sample, um, it, it should be interesting to see if they continue to test him. Um, and you mentioned that the Chargers are kind of changing the scheme um, to push the ball down the field more. I'm not sure if it manifests itself immediately because, like I said, teams usually carry over a ton of their plays um, from the previous season going into the, the early part of the season. So I think that there could still be a reliance on guys like Eckler and Allen um, and we still see like the short passing and stuff like that. And I trust the Dolphins defensive coaching staff to kind of be able to key in on that and take advantage of it um, because that's what they've shown on film and that's what the players know. And um, yeah, it's, it's probably what we're going to see a lot of at least a little bit um, or at least for a little bit early on in the season. All right. 
Yeah, before we end off here, I do want to just comment on that a little bit. Uh, I actually agree with you for the most part. I think Tua absolutely has a better game. Uh, he's not someone I really got to talk about, but I think what we saw out of him last year is definitely not the type of player he is. Uh, I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the hype of that game, but I absolutely think this Dolphins team matches up well versus this Chargers defense. I think both offenses have positive games and that's why I'm so high on this game because I do think it's going to be a pretty fun duel of high scoring offenses and obviously the agendas after are going to be wild and it's going to be super fun to see but yeah great game for sure coming this Sunday all right that'll do it for us in this one make sure like leave a rating do what you need to do on whatever platform that you're listening on make sure to follow us on twitter at pd34 underscore and at real Rahul body too That'll be all from me. That'll be all from Potty. We'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Yeah, see you after a Niners win week one. Let's go.